every campaign is different, but certain things um, are similar in some ways. But ultimately, the way you allocate the budget, the way you allocate your time should be dependent on their unique situation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions, where we showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Gotch. He's the founder of Gotch SEO, which helps agencies drive predictable number one rankings using the IAV system. Nathan, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be on. Nathan, IAV, I don't know what that means, but we're going to flesh it out. But sure. before we do, give me a quick background. How did you get into SEO? Um, did you have an agency of your own? Were you a business owner? Right. Yeah. Um, it's actually a pretty interesting journey. Um, I actually discovered SEO by accident. Uh, I was basically uh, going into my senior year of college and I was trying to figure out ways to make money online because I didn't want to be a lawyer, which is kind of the path that my my family was pushing me to be in. But okay. I secretly was like, I don't want to do that. So I started <laughs> looking up ways to make money online and um, did a couple things, failed on a bunch of different various tactics, did paid surveys, uh, I did sketchy things like trying to sell, you know, sell books. And then I also tried to like write papers for students. There was like this whole website where you could like basically write <laughs> papers for college students. Those things didn't work out too well. Um, so, but then eventually I found this course. Uh, it was really cheap. And in hindsight, it was not a very good course, but one part in there really stood, stood out to me. It was, they told me to basically create a blog. And so what I did is I, I was like, well, uh, I'm a college student. I don't really know a whole lot. I don't have a whole lot of experience, but the one thing I knew how to do was throw a baseball. Cause I was you know, playing college baseball. Oh, so nice. I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'll just start a baseball pitching blog. Cause that's really all I know how to do. Um, <laughs> so that's what I did. I started this blog. And, um, as you can imagine, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. Um, so I was creating a bunch of content, trying to figure it out, you know, reading all these, you know, pro blogger and all these various blogging sites, but I just, I couldn't figure it out. And then one day I'm like, okay, why am I not getting any traffic? So then started looking up ways to get traffic. And that's when I finally discovered SEO. Mm. Um, and I just went absolutely crazy with it on that blog and grew the traffic on that, that blog. Um, then many years later, ended up actually selling that blog to a major league baseball pitcher was, which was pretty cool. No way. Um, but but that blog basically became the catalyst for me learning SEO. And then uh, weirdly, I, people always think it's probably weird when I say this, but um, I started just creating blog after blog just to test my SEO skills and get better and better. So oh, that's I, cool. I, I created a, a, you know, an affiliate site for undercounter ice makers. And then I created one for Bowflex reviews and TRX reviews and got to experience all kinds of things doing that. Like uh, little did I know you couldn't put Bowflex in your actual domain name where they were going to completely ban you from the affiliate program. So mm -hmm. things like that, you know, learning experiences. But ultimately, um, my goal of creating those sites was just to hone my skills and get better and better. Uh, that's so that cool because I feel like people often ask us, well, if you were so good at it, why don't you just go build sites on your own and rank them and make affiliate commission? And you can say, right. been there, done that. You're right. Yeah. And that's, it, it, it's kind of weird because I wasn't actually too concerned about making money. I literally just wanted to test my skills over and over. Um, and my long-term goal was that I would build up a portfolio, which then I could actually sell the business owner, sell my SEO mm -hmm. expertise to business owners and be able to provide service and be able to get them the performance. Um, and so that's what I did in 2000, uh, 2013. I found my first client, uh, found him on Craigslist 
he paid me a whopping $100 per month. And I was, and uh, as you'll, as we talk about soon, I'll tell you the difference there is what I charge now. But um, I worked, I was probably working like 20 hours a week on, on that campaign for a hundred dollars a month. And, uh, and it's just, you know, you got to do what you got to do in the beginning. So, right. um, I, so I, I took that on. It was a horrible experience. One of the worst clients I've ever had out of the hundreds I've had now, uh, as you can expect, which we can talk about pricing becomes something, um, mm. you start to attract different people. Um, but anyway, that became, you know, my first one. And I, I landed a bunch actually through Craigslist at that time. So from 2013 to 2014 or so, um, I was pretty much getting all my clients from Craigslist and then, um, eventually I started actually doing SEO on my own website. So I started ranking for St. Louis SEO, Santa Monica, SEO, just picking cities that I could compete in. And then all my leads basically started coming from that. And then I started blogging more, uh, built up a, you know, a pretty popular SEO blog. So I started getting a lot of leads from that. Um, and it's just kind of snowballed since that point. Um, and now I, now I do both things. I do, uh, the client side. I take on very little clients now just because uh, I can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then the other side is me actually training other SEO agency owners and people who are trying to get, you know, results for their clients. So that's, and that's a high. So level. I saw a great testimonial video on your site from um, Ruan and yeah. he's been on the show actually. And I was really impressed at how well that agency runs. So right. to get a testimonial from him was really impressive. And so clearly what you're, doing as far as teaching agencies is very, it must be very practical and actionable if someone like him has incorporated into their agency offerings. And I really liked the way that you broke down. I think you have like a, what we do page, um, on the site. And it was interesting the way that you broke it down and there was kind of like four sections and I'd love to go through them. Um, because they're not, you know, you look at it and you're like, Hmm, well, I don't know what that means. And the first one is Occam's razor. So your approach to SEO, how do you apply Occam's razor to SEO and what you teach um, agency owners as far as doing SEO? Well, just to keep things incredibly simple, like mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make in SEO is first of all, SEO is complex. Let's not, let's not sugarcoat anything. Like sure. there are many moving, moving parts. It is a complex process. Hundreds of ranking factors, if not thousands, right? Exactly. Exactly. There's so much that goes into it, but ultimately there are only a, like, if you go at a high level, there are really only about four core things that are happening in a campaign. Number one, you have keywords. We can talk about that. Number two, we have experience or technical uh, kind of in that same category. Number three is content. And number four is promotion or link building. So mm. those are really the four categories. I mean, obviously you can throw local in there as a bonus category, but for the most part, almost all of an SEO campaign is built in those four pillars. So that's what I'm always thinking about is like, you know, how can we simplify this process and ultimately focus on the things that are going to have the highest impact? Uh, not so much try to do the most stuff. I'm not right. trying to do a lot. I'm trying to do the things that are going to produce the biggest results. So like mm -hmm. um, to put in perspective, like, you know, anyone can do an SEO audit, right? Anyone can find a bunch of uh, issues or opportunities when it comes to SEO, but the real magic comes from knowing like, okay, what's going to be the first thing we're going to do and what's going to be the next thing. Um, so we use, we use a little mechanism called the ICE score. And this is actually something I stole from SaaS companies. So um, with product teams, what they do is they'll, when they're trying to figure out like, okay, what's going to be the next feature we add to our product, they use this mechanism to prioritize um, ultimately. So the, the acronym stands for impact, 
um, confidence and ease. So impact uh, in the context of SEO is how impactful will this action be on rankings and organic search traffic. Confidence is how confident am I that this is actually mm -hmm. going to do something? And then ease is basically based on the resources uh, uh, to, to like, if we were to compare like- uh, Do we have to hire meta, somebody to do this? Right, yeah, updating a meta description for, versus creating a linkable asset. Very mm -hmm. different uh, use of resources. So. Um, the end outcome of that, though, is that you're able to prioritize all these different actions based on ultimately impact and, and the level of investment. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's so Occam's razor. I like what you said about that. And I agree with you. Um, and I used to talk about SEO to potential clients in a similar way. That's like, hey, there's basically these four pillars of what it is, right? Some of this we can control. Some of it we kind of can't, or maybe we can try to manipulate and things like that. So thinking about SEO in, in a really for a simple terms, right? There, there are these four things. Let's start there. Let's all understand that SEO is comprised of these four things and then move on to the next one, which I think you touched on, which was on your site, you refer to it as Archimedes lever. Right. And, and I think that's what you said of basically like, hey, we're not going to go try to do the thousand different ranking signals. We're going to focus on the 20% of them that produce 80% of the results. Is that Exactly. Where we're going with that? Yeah, yeah. Pareto, Pareto principle, basically, to a certain extent. So, um, and to me, there's a, there, there are certain actions that produce way bigger outcomes than others. So like, sure, you could certainly spend all day updating meta descriptions. And yes, that's very easy to do. But just like anything else, the things that are easiest to do typically have the lowest impact. <laughs> so, mm. you know, I'm looking at the things uh, that are going to have a big impact. Like, for example, if we create a keyword driven piece of content around a qualified keyword, I know that's gonna have a very big impact um, if it ranks, right? Or if we go and acquire a link on Huffington Post or any really any link at all um, that's high quality and relevant, that's gonna have a way bigger impact than updating a thousand meta descriptions. Which so, is so interesting because I feel like so many agencies sell these packages that are just focused around really easy things that you can just do over and over again, not that they actually produce results, but it's, it's, you can at least go to your client and say, look at all this stuff that we did this month, right? Like right. we went out and made 15 new citations this month. Like here they are, you can go to those URLs and you can see yourself there or whatever. Um, which again, it's a deliverable, but at the end of the day, is it actually moving any needle or metric? And does it make sense if you can, I think most people would agree if I could well, if I knew the 20% of things that produced 80% of the results, I would happily focus on those. But I feel like a lot of agencies don't really know what they are. So they're like, we're just going to keep building the citations and, and you know, writing those blog posts, those 500 right. word blog posts and getting them out there. And so can you talk about what some of those key movers are or, or is that a, a heavily kept secret? Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not sort of keep secrets. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, going back to the deliverable part, we actually, I talk about this all the time with, with my students in my training program, but like, you don't want to get in the deliverable game. Like, yes, we need to report on actions that were taken, but if you're, if your entire goal at the beginning of a month is just to hit certain targets of blog posts and, and, and citations and whatever, you're not thinking strategic you're just thinking about delivering those deliverables ultimately. That's it. That's your focus. Instead of be saying, okay, this month, what is, what's the one thing we could do this month that can actually 
improve performance, right? And like you said, it's hard to know what those things are, right? What are those levers? And that's where the that's where expertise comes in, of course. Um, but that was that was a big shift I had with my agency is I used to be like that too. I used to focus on like, okay, we're going to do X amount of deliverables. And I, we still do that to a certain extent. So like with the amount of links that we'll acquire in a month, we'll say it's going to be between 10 and 20 or 20 and 30, depending on their budget, right? Um, so there is certain things that are like that, but the, the broader positioning that I do is that we're going to drive results and we're going to focus, you know, it's always going to be dependent on the situation too. Like some businesses really have a poor foundation. So we may have to spend the first one to three months just building that foundation out, the technical, the UX, uh, the content side. Like, you know, we, we had a client that we signed on about, I think we're almost going on a year ago. Um, they had just massive amounts of content, like enormous, like way beyond what any website should really have. Um, and almost all of it had no traffic, uh, no impressions or clicks from Google search console, no backlinks, just no positive KPIs at all. wasn't doing anything. Uh, so we made the decision based on the data that we were going to delete 8,000 blog posts. So we just went through and just deleting one by one. Deleting that could be a posts. reverse deliverable. Hey, you know, all those right. 500 word blog posts that your last agency created. Well, we're going to go prune X amount of them per month. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's like, that's why I, I learned a while ago that it's, Every campaign is different, but certain things um, are similar in some ways. But ultimately, the way you allocate the budget, the way you allocate your time should be dependent on their unique situation. So in the case of this client, yes, we could have started building links in the first month, but it would have been useless because they have this kind of hor horrific foundation that needs to be fixed before those links are going to be effective. So that's what we did. We deleted 8,000 blog posts, basically started from scratch, rebuild all the new assets, then acquired links. And then now, you know, their traffic's gone up by a thousand percent this year. So that's, you know, those are the things that we're thinking through. Um, but knowing, knowing what those levers are, um, they're pretty similar across most, most websites. Um, that's what I want to flesh out and yeah. give me one second. I just got to shut my door. My kids just got home. Okay. <laughs> And we're back. So I'd like to flesh that out because this is what's interesting to me. You, you know, what you just said is kind of like, well, you'd have in my, you know, I would think you'd have to be pretty experienced to know that, oh, wow, we're going to go prune a bunch of your content and things like that. But at the same time, from what I understand of your system, it's very, you know, clear, focused. We're using Occam's razor to focus on what matters. Is that something that you can teach other agencies to do? Like, or is that, oh, that actually falls a little outside of like the core stuff that most of my students focus on? Yeah, no, it's it's actually 100% systemizable. That's the beauty of it. So yes, you do need to have, you need to be able to make decisions, right? And have the data to support those decisions. But like my process is very systemized. It, it, the process is the same no matter what. And um, that's something that was a huge change for me is like, when I was first early in my agency, it was completely relying on me. Like mm -hmm. I'm the expert and I have to make all the decisions. And then of course I started doing more research and I come to find out if you want a real business, you can't be making all those decisions. And the only way to not make all those decisions is you have to have systems. So sure. that's why I, I just started to invest heavily my time 
uh, into building out systems like at such a granular level that it's kind of almost borderline psychotic. Um, like, like one, I can like, relate, right. <laughs> I used to and, run and operations. Like, so yeah. Right. So like, up. I have a system just for creating a Google folder. Like, uh, like I have an SOP just for that. And it's like, it. okay, maybe I'm pushing the limits here, but, um, but that's how specific you have to be because the way I look at it is the system should be so easy to understand that someone without any SEO experience could be able to do it. Hmm. And that's always been my standard is like, if, like I have a VA, right? I've had a VA uh, for many, many years and uh, she had no prior SEO experience, but now she's probably better than most SEOs just because she's gone through the systems and knows how to do all this stuff. So, um, but yeah, the, 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 it's very, very systemizable. And so one piece of this, it's like going back to the levers that we can kind of pull. Um, the only way to know what levers to pull is you need to conduct an SEO audit. That's the, that's kind of the key pillar to this whole process. Um, when people think of audits, they think like, oh, I'm going to go throw a website in a tool and it's going to tell me everything I need to do. Well, yes, that's the, the basic part of it, but there's a lot more that goes into that. Um, mm -hmm. We view an SEO audit as like many different pieces. So uh, we're looking at the keywords. So obviously we always start there because uh, without keywords, no one can find you. So we always start there. Um, and depending on the website, uh, and where they're at, uh, the process will change. So we split it up into two categories. First category is the website has organic search traffic. The other category is it has no organic search traffic. Okay. And the reason why that's important is because we're going to pull the existing keywords from their profile if they have existing traffic. And then from there, we're going to categorize uh, their keywords based on where they're ranking. So we, we put it into basically like uh, four different categories uh, low-hanging fruits, which are keywords from two to 15, uh, which are by far the best keywords you should go after because just with a little bit of adjustment, a little bit of optimization, we can talk about what that, those are. Long pushing those up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pushing those up a couple spots is an enormous amount of additional clicks that you can get. I mean, going from position two to one, I think from position one is around 15% CTR or sorry, position two is around 15% CTR. Position one is over 30% CTR. So you would double your amount of clicks just by going one position. Mm -hmm. um, now, to be fair, once you get on the first page, going one position gets progressively harder. <laughs> so, sure, of course. Um, so, but that's what we like to focus on initially is like, okay, we have these low hanging fruits. Let's attack these like with everything we got. And like, we don't even think about creating new content, especially with the site that already has existing keywords. And that's by far the biggest mistake I see in campaigns is like, they get a brand new webs, a brand new campaign. They have all of this. They're sitting on a gold mine of opportunity. And they're like, okay, so let's set up our editorial calendar and start publishing new content. It's like, wait, let's go back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. rewind here and focus on this because this is the, that's really where the, the magic happens. Um, and fast too. Like you don't hear the word fast in SEO very often, but that's that totally. per particular strategy is how you can produce fast results for a client. Um, mm. so that's why we always focus there. And then once we've got, got that moving, um, we go into the existing keywords, uh, which is basically just keywords, uh, from position 16 to 50, uh, those are still good targets, but they're kind of second on the priority list. Um, and then the next part are my favorite, which these things are all intertwined, by the way, it's not like it's this, a lot of it's intertwined, but the last part is from positions 51 to 100, which we call clustering opportunities. And the mm. reason we call them that is because if your keywords are not ranked, like if you find keywords ranking um, in those positions, typically something is not right. 
And it's usually because there's some sort of intent mismatch. So like uh, to put it in perspective, I have a blog post on Gotcha SEO that is about, uh, it's a review of iMovie, right? Just a really okay. deep review of iMovie. Um, so to show my, my members in the training, I want to show them like how you can take a, a, a poorly ranked keyword and, and splinter it off. So um, I was ranking, that page was ranking for um, iMovie crashes when importing. That was the exact phrase. It got like 200 searches a month. Um, but the, the truth is that that is so specific as far as the intent that that page would never rank. It would never rank because it's just not specific enough. So what I did is I took that keyword, splintered it off, created a separate blog post for it, and then published it. And within maybe a week, it was already ranking on the first page. Um, so if you go and look up iMovie, iMovie crashes when importing, you'll see it on the first page. But all I did was I just found that clustering opportunity. I knew it would never rank because it was a clear intent mismatch. So then I just create that separate blog post. And what that does, it has a variety of benefits doing that. Um, you're actually building more topical relevance for that primary page that you originally basically splintered off of. So now we have two assets that are about iMovie, but they're not competing against each other. They're totally separate intents. So, right. um, so yeah. to flesh that out, right. you had this big all-encompassing post about iMovie that somebody who's shopping softwares would want to read. Right it ranked really, really low for a specific phrase of like import crash, which is if someone's looking for that, they want the answer of how to make that stop happening. So you're like, got it. I make a separate piece about that specific thing. And now Google will rank it for anybody searching that thing instead of ranking my big article on page 50 or whatever that exactly. they're never going to get down to. So that's, uh, I think that's a great example of how the nuances of SEO work, right? A lot of times we just right. get focused on, you know, the old school sort of mentality. And I, and I think that's, that's awesome. I have a couple of questions that I wrote down, if you don't mind sure. me jumping in at this point, because yeah. I feel like our audience would love to know. Um, you mentioned the audit being such a key piece of it. Do you charge for the audit or do you use it as a free foot in the door? Yeah, that is a very good question. We talk, I talk about this a lot with my members, but um, my strategy is actually a paid audit always. Okay. Um, and but it does it depends on the type of business. So um, it's usually it's actually one hundred percent based on resources. So I'll give you two examples. Uh, first one is based on my discovery questions. So I have the same discovery questions I ask every time, and there's one particular question I ask is, uh, do you have a developer who can make in house you know make changes for you in house? And then do you have a copywriter who can write content for you? Um, and if the answer is like, no, I don't have any of that. Like, I need you guys to do that. Then I say, okay, uh, I'm going to pitch them purely on full service SEO. I'm not even going to do the audit because it doesn't make sense. Because if I, if I do this deep audit, I deliver them recommendations. They don't have any way to execute them. So what mm -hmm. did we just do? We just basically did nothing. <laughs> so, right. uh, so it doesn't make sense. However, on the other hand, um, a lot of the companies I work with are like startups. So they have internal resources, they have developers, they have content writers. So instead of saying, hey, let's commit to a six month SEO campaign, I'm like, okay, you guys just need guidance. You need to be advised. You need recommendations so you know what direction to go in. Um, so that's when I pitch that SEO audit. Um, and so where you price that is completely dependent on uh, your portfolio size as an agency, right? So like for me, I can pitch higher numbers because I have... I've been doing this for a very long time. I have a portfolio, um, but I tell the like uh, members in our training, like if they're new, uh, I would go real low. Like 
super low, make it super appealing, $97, you know, 197, like real small numbers because you're, you are getting them, the goal is to get them to invest money with you. Because at the end of the day, um, if you think about, they're probably reached out to maybe five agencies. Um, they make a commitment to buy your audit. Those agencies are no longer in contention because now all they're concerned about is getting the, the recommendations from that audit. So right. now it's a very smooth transition from, okay, here's the audit that we just delivered to you. Uh, if you want our help, we can do, you know, do a proposal. Sure. So it's, I've, I've seen a massive difference with that. And it's like the conversion rate is through the roof uh, when you can close on an audit. So and the uh, audits that you, yeah. that you use or that you teach your students to use, how much manual labor versus automation goes into it as far as determining you know, what it costs an agency to do an audit? Yeah, so there's the only automation that we have is when we when we crawl the website with Screaming Frog. So okay. we, we crawl the website with Screaming Frog. Uh, we link up all the APIs on Screaming Frog. So we link up uh, Google Search Console, Google Analytics, and Ahrefs. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just so we can collect as much data as possible when we do that crawl. Um, but as, as far as that goes, then from there, it's really a lot of manual analysis, a lot of uh, finding those opportunities. Uh, and then what we do is we deliver it in this SEO recommendations doc. It's just a Google doc. And then we categorize the actions in three different levels. So level one, level two, level three. Level one is do this. It's going to have a big impact. Level three is like maybe when you get around to it, mm. <laughs> you know. Um, Got it. But then we we really like... I'm just, I've been selling my own products online for a long time. So I know that the offer side is so important. So the offer isn't just like, um, hey, here's your SEO recommendations and good luck. It's um, we deliver the SEO recommendations and then, um, hold on one sec here. Okay. Yeah, we deliver them. And then we also do a uh, video overview. So I have my, one of my team members give a video overview of everything that we found. Like, hey, this mm -hmm. is what we found. This is how you go about fixing it. Just do it on Loom. Uh, ends sure. up being maybe roughly around 30 minutes. And then in addition to that, we also do a session like this on Zoom to clarify any things that, um, you know, any questions they might have. That typically, like we did one today, it was like an, about an hour long. Um, but I'm telling you like that, when you deliver that, you deliver the recommendations, you deliver this like Loom video that's like even adding more value. Yeah. Uh, and then you do the Q&A. Um, what ends up happening is like, you know what, like, can you guys just help us? <laughs> like, yeah, like it just ends up being like that because uh, well, you've added so much value. So we used to do a very similar process, very similar. And what I always loved was it gets you out of that, like five blog posts a month trap and into everybody's understanding what's going to happen in what order and how long it's going to take. Right. And right. those become the deliverables. So it's like level one, right? Well, yeah, we all agreed that these are really big opportunities. We should definitely do them. So if you want to work together, we're going to spend three months knocking out these things that we're talking about here in level one. Right. And everybody's on the same page. It's not where are my blog posts? What are you guys doing for the yeah. money I'm paying you? It's like, you already have the roadmap. It was from the audit. And so I, I love it as a process and it makes so much clarity. And in my opinion, it sets the expectations very well right. for what's to follow. And when you sell it, you know, we always talk about at high level. One of the main goals with our software is to help agencies reduce churn. When somebody sits through the audit and is like, this sounds great. Can you help us? Like you just said, they're essentially signing up for a six month process, a year process, because that's what you've laid out in the audit. Right. And so yep. 
it's fantastic for churn if you get an SEO client on the right expectations and you've mapped it out through the audit. Um, it can have a great impact on your churn rate. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Yeah, and it's like one thing I, I usually tell my members is that if you have a client thinking about what you're doing, you're already in trouble. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as that thought crosses their mind, you're in big trouble because yep. they should never wonder what you're doing. And so like, it's just sad because unfortunately, at least in the SEO space, communication is not something that is uh, not. <laughs> no, historically, it's, hey, we have this magic wand. You're going to pay us. We're going to go wave it around and magic's right. going to happen. But don't ask us about anything that goes on behind the curtain. Exactly. So that's why like I've been really pushing hard to kind of change a lot of that. So I try to train the people in our, in our course or in our program to do that. And like one small thing is like I told them the simplest thing in the world, just maybe every two weeks, just send a little loom video. That's like, Hey, we just did mm -hmm. this and, or we just acquired this link. Like that goes such a long way to building rapport with the client and, and keeping retention. Um, but also the one thing that I, a small switch I make is I'm the reason why I know this is because I made all those mistakes. I used to be like, we're going to, we're going to work on your campaign and I'll see you in a month. Like, see you later. Um, here's your report. Uh, you know, good luck, that type of thing. And then I realized how important it's not just about driving results. It's also about experience and the client needs to have a good experience on top of it. Um, and so that like those small switches of like being more transparent, having more communication, a, a better cadence for communication, like um, with our, with our, um, all of our files are 100%, like they have access to everything. So like our entire campaign in our Google form, they can go in there and see everything that we're doing. We don't hide anything. So they see the work that is being done all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that helps a lot for when it's a tough campaign, you know, it's going to take a long time. Yeah. If they can see that there's work being done. They're like, man, this, they're doing a lot of work. They're much more likely to retain and trust you and, and, see that something is happening. But when it's like, oh, I just paid them five grand. And I haven't heard from them in two months. Uh, what's happening? Like, yep, that's, right. that doesn't as work. They think that so, you're in trouble. Exactly. So we try to be as transparent as possible and that it just worked well. Okay. So the other question I wrote down was you mentioned uh, a VA. Yeah. How many campaigns typically can one of your VAs run? That's a good question. So my VA doesn't run campaigns. Okay. She supports the campaign. Okay. So there's because there's just certain things that are more strategic and require a lot of like, you know, sure. uh, a little bit of extra expertise. So like my lead SEO specialist, she works with my VA and the way that they work together is that my VA does all that really like heavy uh, time consuming stuff that doesn't technically add a whole lot of value. So like, um, for example, going into Ahrefs and exporting a link report and then having to take that data and put it into a Google sheet. Like mm -hmm. imagine doing that hundreds of times, how long that takes. Right. <laughs> We're talking hours and hours, like hundreds of hours um, just from exporting data, which isn't adding value to the client at all. It's not making them get better results. So I can't have my SEO specialist doing that work. I need her sure. to be focusing on, okay, here's this data. What do I, what are we going to do with this? Like, where do we go from here? I need her to be thinking about that. Not like, oh gosh, I have to spend the next three hours exporting data. So that's why I split that up in that way. Um, and well, to give, to give people an idea of like what it would take to build, you know, to, to run this, the combination of those two, how many clients could a typical agency service 
with a specialist and a VA? Right. Um, this is a nuanced question. So sure. we do it based on revenue, not based on okay. client amount of clients. And so I actually learned this from another agency in St. Louis, um, Influence & Co. Um, and one thing that they do, and this is what we do now, is we do it based on pods. So like uh, $30,000 per month for one pod and then $30,000 per month for another pod. That's where it starts to split up. And the reason for that is because you could technically have one client paying you $30,000 per month. Mm -hmm. You could also have a pod where you have 15 clients paying X amount, right? So uh, on the back end, on the agency side, the one that's paying you 30 grand a month is really important. Like you don't want to lose that, that, that client. So you mm -hmm. need to have full resources dedicated to it versus the other ones where yes, the, every client's important, but uh, you know, compared to $500 per month versus, versus 30, you know, you got to be smart there. So it actually forces you to allocate your resources in a smart way when you do it yeah. based on revenue, not based on client uh, amount of clients. That's just a slight difference that I've-, I've Yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense because then you know for each pod you can afford to have the resources that needs to support the pod. Right, exactly. Awesome. So going back to what I saw on your site, the, the third one was the circle of influence. So- yes focusing on things that matter versus things that don't matter. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I stole that from the seven habits of um, highly effective people, but the, in the context of SEO, like if you've been in the SEO world at all, there's a lot of distraction, right? There's a new algorithm update. There's a new, and the core web vitals and the just constant. I've been doing this since 2011. And I'm telling you, like the day that I decide to stop paying attention to algorithm updates and like stop obsessing about all that stuff was a day that everything got better for me. So mm. I don't even pay attention to Google updates. I don't, I don't pay attention to anything that I can't influence. Right. So like, and then in the context of like, not just SEO, but like in life, like, you know, if you're spending all your time um, on your circle of concern, which is like watching the news or who's going to win the election or the, you know, that type of stuff, which mm -hmm. yes, it does impact all of us. But at the end of the day, like right now, you can't control any of it. <laughs> so sure. um, and if you're that serious about it, you can go and campaign and that's actually doing something that's in your circle of influence. Mm. Um, but that's where like, you know, I think the number one success factor is people focus when you're focused on things that you can control and you expand that out more and more and you focus less on things that you can't control. So um, that's been a big shift in my life personally. Like that's, I'd say it makes all the difference at the end of the day. Very so. interesting. Yeah. And especially when you apply it to the SEO world, what that means is that there's a core set of things that haven't changed. They used right. to influence rankings. They still influence rankings. And if you focus on those things, you're going to influence rankings, regardless of the fringe stuff that the algorithm is affecting. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's always, that's been my, and I, honestly, I came from like a gray hat, black hat, background. That's how I used to do SEO. I did the mm -hmm. private blog networks at hundreds and hundreds of fake websites that I would build links with. Um, and then one day all of my clients got penalized because I left a huge footprint. So I got, I woke up one day and I had manual action, manual action in all of my inbox. And I was like, oh, wow, this is not going to be very fun. Um, <laughs> so then that was like, that's when I made this, I got them all removed fortunately, which is a miracle. Um, but that was like, that was it for me. I was like, I am never doing this again. I'm not messing around with like sketchy stuff that isn't evergreen. 
Um, I'm just not going to do that. So I focused 100% on evergreen stuff. And that's kind of led me into focusing on content, like, cause content is really the pillar of all of SEO. So mm. um, that's kind of been my, my path. And ever since then, um, I haven't had a site penalized, not once. So, so let's talk about that because I, I loved, we were able to have those honest conversations and it's like, Hey, we're going to focus mm -hmm. on these things. Like you said, it, it 80%, it, it's the 20% things going to produce 80% of the results. It's going to increase your rankings. It might not push you to the very top, but if it doesn't, you know, these will be the options at that point. You can do some things that are a little bit more risky, it, you know, but we can have that conversation when we get there. And again, that open conversation, customers are on the right page from the beginning. Got it. I'm not expecting a miracle. Hopefully we'll get to spot one. Maybe we won't, but at that point, you're going to tell me about some other options or whatever. So what I'd like to last, the last thing I'd like to ask you is your thoughts on link building. So right. we talked about, there are a couple of core areas of SEO. I agree. A lot of them are directly within your control, right? They're on site. They're in the code. We can optimize these things. We can create content around these topics. But one factor that's always been a factor is how many other websites point to the content. Right. And so that is very much where most of the black hat comes in, right? And because it's very hard to organically earn links. And so how do you approach that as what you advise or teach other agencies when it comes to them offering SEO? Right, yeah. And it, it's tough when you have, so if you're doing link building for your own site versus doing link building for clients, it's a different dynamic, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're doing link building for your own site, the standards are much more loose. You don't have to necessarily hit certain numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So you, it's different with clients when you say, oh, we're going to get you 10 to 12 or 10 to 20 links. And then you don't deliver on that. That's a problem. So you need to right. deliver on that. So um, unfortunately in the SEO world, the only way to get links at this point is you typically have to pay someone. That's the, when you think of value propositions and I talk about value propositions in my training, there's many different ways to give value in exchange for a link, mm -hmm. but the number one form of value is money. <laughs> so yeah, people want to be paid. And uh, you think about it, like someone spent the last five to 10 years building up their blog, right? Working five, 10 years, a lot of effort. And then you come in and you're like, Hey man, can I get a free link? And they're like, no, why would you get a free link? Like, that's insane. So then they just say, well, no, it's going to be X amount of dollars. So very rarely can you get free links these days um, unless you have something. The only time that really worked, there's a few different scenarios. First of all, uh, exceptional content, like exceptional. Um, that's one. That's, that's something that's super data-driven, really unique, like no one else has it. People will want to link to that because they want to reference it. That's usually, and when I'm talking about link building to people, I'm, I'm always telling them like, spend most of your time trying to create linkable assets. Like that's what you should be doing. Uh, because at the end of the day, we need to create something that's worth linking to. Like that's important. Um, if you just do, you know, top 10 uh, Nike shoes, okay, yeah, maybe that's okay to rank for, but that's not gonna drive a whole lot of links. So the, the types of content you create is gonna be radically different if you're trying to get links versus trying to rank. Um, sometimes they're blended together. Uh, but for the most part, like there's one linkable or there's one type of uh, linkable content that works very well always is data. So I'm always looking for data yeah. in any industry, uh, whether it's a plumber or a lawyer, I'm always looking for data. Like I was just talking to um, uh, an agency that's working with a lawyer right now and they 
couldn't figure out like, how do we create content for this local, you know, this local business? Like, I don't know what to create. Um, you don't want to go and create general national content. Like what is medical malpractice? Because you're not going to rank for that. So it's not right. going to really do anything. Um, so I told them that you want to create some sort of data that's specific to that location and the niche itself. So like, um, you know, how many med or like make a list of medical malpractice cases that have earned a ton of money. So like the top 10, seven, top seven medical malpractice cases in St. Louis in the last 10 years. Right. So now we're starting to get somewhere. We're starting to, that's something that people would want to link to as a reference. Um, so that's thinking through that is really, really important. Um, but as far as like acquiring links, doing outreach, a lot of the tactics have been pretty similar over the years, guest posting, uh, niche edits, which means you find a page that's relevant to your page. And you say, Hey, I found this page. I created this, you know, X, Y, Z. Can we get a link on this page? Um, sometimes they're like, Oh yeah, sure. If it's really good, they'll just say, sure. Other times like, yeah, it'll be $75. And you're like, all right. Right. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of the downside. And unfortunately I wish there was a workaround for that, but all of the big players in this, in this, uh, you know, SEO game are buying links. Just, I mean, they may, they may try to make it seem like they're not, but they are, um, they are. And so, so I, I'm hundred percent on board with you. And now the question becomes, where do you go to buy them? And I think that's where a lot of people get caught. And so as part of your teaching, do you just say, Hey, these are my trusted sources or are you the supplier or how do you approach that? Yeah, well, there's two ways to go about it. You can either use vendors who already have the resources and, and the contacts to get there, but you're going to pay a premium because they put in the work to get those contacts, right? Um, or you do your own internal outreach and you find those opportunities yourself. Um, but at a high level, um, I created this concept called the relevancy pyramid. And what it means is like, <clears throat> let's say you're a uh, St. Louis personal injury lawyer. Um, the, the best link that you could ever get would be from another St. Louis personal injury lawyer, right? But the likelihood that you're going to get that link, you know, if we're going down the pyramid, that's at the top, it's virtually impossible, right? Because right. they're just not going to link to you. So then the next phase that would be, okay, you know, can we look at other personal injury lawyers who don't compete with us, right? So now we're going to focus on them, try to get links from them. Progressively going down the pyramid because over time, there's going to be more and more opportunities as you go down the pyramid, as that relevance gets less and less. But the key here is like, you should prioritize the most relevant opportunities first and then work your way down to the less relevant. Now, there's some exceptions to that rule. If you can get a link on Forbes or Entrepreneur or those are always good links, like no matter what. Um, but as far as like the, the less known brands, we want to focus on uh, hyper relevance and then work our way down. Um, but yeah, Got as far it. as like, you know. So some of it, you're like, hey, yeah. these are sources you can go get a link for anybody. Uh, and then some of it say, hey, this is a strategy to find. Because I'd imagine, let's say you're, you're a local agency with local clients, you f you're going to find opportunities like, oh, the whatever bureau of our town is willing to create a business listing page and link to any business in our town. So that's something we can do for every one of our clients or stuff like that, that becomes of part of your SOP. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And even finding local donation links and things like that. Like there's so many things you can do on the local level. Like local is a little bit different because you want to combine both geo-targeted opportunities and also niche relevant opportunities. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a combination in that way compared to national where it's like pretty much just going to be niche relevant um, type of stuff. So, but the way you find those opportunities is just use Google. You can just use search operators. Uh, it's the easiest thing to do. 
So, uh, you know, SEO plus write for us, <laughs> SEO plus guest post, fitness plus guest posts. Like you'll find a abundance of opportunities for free, uh, you know, or you can even put sponsorship too, like uh, St. Louis donate, uh, donation or uh, St. Louis sponsors, you know, those type of search queries can get you many, many link prospects. So, hmm. and so the last question I'll ask you, what do the, the agencies that you work with to help them get SEO programs going like Ruan on average, what are they selling those packages for? Oh man, all over the place. But typically I'm telling them to increase their prices. Um, so like with Ruan, he has a very unique kind of framework that he's built out where he sells these, uh, they're, they're, it's packaged, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, it's not variable, it's fixed. Mm. Um, and so like my pricing is pretty variable. It's going to be based on the, the competition that I'm up against. So like if I'm trying to grow a hot dog stand, I'm not going to make them pay five grand a month because they're never going to get a return on investment. Um, but if it's a personal injury lawyer and I know I'm going to be having to really make big investments to be able to rank them, I'm going to require a much bigger retainer. So it, I, I prefer the variable method, uh, based on competition and the vertical that they're in, like the average value of one of their customers is important because I'm just doing ROI calculations. That's it. Like, and then, maybe the better and, question yeah. I should have asked is what's the average margin that they oh. should expect on the packages that they sell? I mean, I try to aim for a 70%, um, but there's, there's a lot of, it depends, right? So like uh, how much you're going to allocate towards outsourcing and how much is going to be uh, in-house. Mm -hmm. So over time, and uh, every agency will probably admit to this, that over time, your margins shrink. It's just the way it is. Like your margins shrink because your overhead gets larger. You get more people working for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not a bad thing. Your margin shrinking isn't necessarily a bad thing because what it means is you have more resources operating, which means you're not working as hard to drive the results. So you're, you know, in the beginning, you have really high margins because you're probably the only person doing the work. Mm -hmm. um, but the downside is you're doing all the work. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so that's, you know, over time it's like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, in the beginning for me, I tried to stay around that 70% margin and then 30% of it would go purely to outsourcing. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, we talked about the benefits, like one, every, pretty much every business wants SEO. So if you don't offer it as an agency, uh, it is a big disadvantage if they're shopping agencies around because people want to work with an agency that can do their ads and their organic strategy in my right. experience. And then two, when you do offer it, like I said, and you have a great sales and onboarding process for it, which is, I'm assuming what, you know, Nathan can really help you out with, uh, those clients, you retain them for six, 12 months. I mean, it's very, very common. We would just, we wouldn't sell SEO if it wasn't an annual agreement because it's a process, right? And, and you're going to have to go through a lot of steps to make it happen. And when you do that, it has a great impact on your turn because you're signing clients up who are expecting to be with you for six to 12 months. And so I think it's, fantastic if you can do it well if you can do it ethically if you can do it with the right type of clients and not back yourselves into some some nightmares that i think we've all anyone in the seo world have been through right. um and so nathan if, if people are listening and they are interested in the training that you offer where should they head to check it out 
Uh, you can just go to gotchaseo.com and then slash apply, or you just go straight there and there's, there'll be a link somewhere in the menu you can go to. Um, and then we just have this short little application you fill out. And if we think we can actually help you, then we'll just jump on a call and tell you what it's about. And then if it's a good fit, we'll ask you to sign up. Nothing, nothing super crazy. So, so that's G O T C H, uh.com. G O T C H S E O.com. Got it. Awesome. Well, Nathan, thanks so much for coming on to chat with us. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you in the next one.